Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's a lot of end friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be A-OK. everyone. New episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday, and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. A-OK. A-OK. Hey everyone, my guest this week is the extraordinary actor, Modern Family's own Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Jesse sat down with me at the W Hotel in Times Square in New York City, the greatest city in the world, at my live podcast event. It's a series called Broadway at the W, and I love doing it there. It's always an honor. And you'll know it's a live broadcast as soon as you hear it, because you'll hear clinking glasses and a lot of audience reaction. And it was pure joy, and I hope you enjoy listening as much as I loved chatting with Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Enjoy. Is this yours? Did you ask for wine? That is my wine. I preset my wine. Oh, my gosh. First of all, so I don't forget, thank you to the W Hotel for being such lovers of Broadway and uh, creating a venue like this because it's pretty amazing. And Jesse, thank you for being here. Happy to be here. Jesse just got here from rehearsal. He is Play practice. Play practice. Yes. Do you know that song, I Love Play Rehearsal? No. It's great. There's a show coming to New York called Be More Chill. And I can't stop singing I Like Play Rehearsal because I really do. And obviously you do too because let's face it, you don't need to do a play anymore. I No, but theater is my first love. It's what I I wanted to. I never imagined I was going to be on television. So coming... To uh, working on a new piece too is just such an honor. Well, yeah. it's called Log Cabin, and it's at Playwrights Horizons, and we're all gonna go see it together. Let's all go together. Are you all in? 
So I start every episode, and by the way, some of you who are here had no idea that you were going to be part of a live podcast. You were just drinking during the day, like you do, and suddenly we appeared. So thank you for being a part of this experience, and thank you for being respectful, because we're recording, and uh, everything you say and do will be online. Forever. Forever. But I start every episode, for those of you who are fans of the show, with a little-known fact. And a little-known fact about Jesse Tyler Ferguson is that the Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright, I'm going to use that as a vocal warm-up next time, Pulitzer Prize playwright, Tony Kushner, who won the Pulitzer for Angels in America, uh, which I saw the other day, both parts at once, so seven hours of theater, uh, was the officiant at Jesse's wedding. So I just want to, like, imagine Tony Kushner being the officiant at your wedding, and it would make me think, was it, like, a seven-hour, like, was that really long? Uh, there was a dinner break. <laughs> Were you yeah. like, Tony? Yeah. Enough No, I mean, it was, it was... It was the most special thing that has ever happened to me, really. I mean, we, we were talking about who would be our dream officiant, and I was like, well, for me, it would be Tony Kushner. That play meant so much to me. Uh, I also just saw it um, on uh, Thursday and Friday, and, you know, I grew up uh, closeted in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I didn't have a lot of exposure to the outside world, and so... The fact that there was this play that I read over and over and over again. And it was such a testament that there is a larger world and there was great minds out there. It was like, you know, this, I didn't have the internet. I didn't have social media to connect to people who were like-minded. And so this play meant so much to me. And when we were talking about officiants, I was like, I would love for Tony to do this. And we asked him and he said yes. And it, he wrote this beautiful ceremony. I mean, the ceremony itself deserves a Pulitzer Prize. I mean, it was just such a beautiful ceremony and so inclusive and he's just very smart um it also should be said that Celia Keenan-Bolger sang at my wedding and she's here tonight what did she, she and sing? her husband she and her husband John sang a, a song called the book of love and she's happy wanna, to sing it now Celia come up for one second just like <laughs> nope 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 not who wrote the book of love not that, not one. that one no it's that a much prettier song than that oh not that that's not a pretty song no. but yes it was a uh, tony was an amazing officiant that's incredible well we're done thank you so much for coming goodbye thanks every night <laughs> um anyway i can't imagine there's anyone in this room who hasn't seen modern family because it's now on its 100th season 100th 100th season, season yes it's incredible that's that the residual yeah, tenth, must be tenth awesome. year is coming in coming in next year is our tenth season. Well, mm-hmm. I guess that's sort of been the right the dream job to get to do a show that gets picked up not just for one or two seasons, but to have a life in that way. Right. I mean, I think you know, f- uh, there's a lot of actors in this room, and I think they can all relate that you know, getting a job is so hard. Um, and when you get a job that you like, that's a great thing. And if you get that job and it's done well and critics respond to it, that's another thing. Um, but for me to get a job that also has sort of this social impact is just the cherry on the Sunday. I mean, I do feel like the show was sort of a culture touchstone for things like marriage equality and totally. you know I think there was a lot of people who said oh I don't know any gay people and then like but I know Mitch and Cam and they're in my <laughs> living room every nice. Wednesday and so like they're like oh I do know gay people and I like them so I do feel like you know 
We got in there. You did. You <laughs> snuck in there. Well, how amazing when you just described at the beginning of this conversation growing up in Albuquerque and feeling like, and obviously there were other people, you just didn't know it, and that's what oh, we found sure. out. Oh, for sure. No, I was the only gay person in Albuquerque. In the entire I should have said, city. No, I'm sure there were. I'm sure there was probably a few others, yes. Is anyone here from Albuquerque, and are you gay? <laughs> You know what? You're right. You are <laughs> the only it. person. There you are, because this is a great cross-section of America. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Theater lovers. Yeah. Not a lot of gay people in the theater. No. Wherever you go, you're alone, Jesse. <laughs> well, I think when you talk about how you grew up, imagine if there had been a show like Modern Family at the time, and it must feel so gratifying to know that in a small way or a really big way, you're exposing people to the possibility of, like, all those dreams being real. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's something that I don't like to pat myself on the back about it because go I think ahead, that's ridiculous. Ahead. But that's what we're here for. Um, but it, you know, I can't ignore the social ramifications that the show has, and I, I do hear it firsthand from people and from parents, and um, it does. It means a great deal to me. Well, it means a great deal to all of us, and that was so much why I wanted to be here and just to say thank you for. Uh, exposing so many of our children to something that they wouldn't have had an opportunity with so much humor. And I think the key to it is how funny it is. Thank you. So, however, that being said, you worked before that and you had a whole life before Modern Family, believe it or not. So I want to go back. I want to go back and I want to go back in song. And I (laughs) want to go back. You grew up in Albuquerque and it's some moment in your life you fell in love with the performing arts. Can you pinpoint the moment? Was it gradual? Can you share it with us? Do you love the performing arts? I do. I do. I I love them very much. I feel like you do. I don't want to be presumptuous. I was taken to the theater when I was very young. My mom took me to see a performance that the Albuquerque Children's Theater was doing. Basically, it's kids performing for other kids. And I remember sitting in the audience. I think we were seeing Alice in Wonderland or something. And I was like, I I love what's happening. And I want to be on the other side. I want to be on the stage. And so I told my mom I wanted to join the Albuquerque Children's Theater. And she was very confused because I was a very shy kid. Uh, I was an introvert. And she was like, you want to act? And I was like, yes. So she obviously let me do it. And um, I definitely opened up and I I found myself through the performing arts. You have gone on record as saying that you don't feel like singing as much as you love it. You feel like there might be people who can sing at a different level, but that you know how to perform a song with confidence. I think so. I mean, I, I certainly, when I, I want, when I wanted to do musical theater, which was exactly what I wanted to, I didn't even want to like straight plays. Like I want to be in musicals and like that. Uh, like like that. that. And I was yeah. like, and I'll just be in the chorus if that's okay. Like that's fine with yeah. me. Um, but like, I can't sing like I'm in like Les Miserables, all these shows that I love like so much. Like Celia Keenan-Bolger. Like Celia Keenan-Bolger. Again. Literally. Again. Oh, oh, she's pretending to oh. be shy. <laughs> But I I I, uh, I I know my limits, and I, I I found myself being drawn to things that I didn't have to sing so beautifully, and uh, that were more character driven. And I do love finding the challenges of acting a song. Right. Um, and those are the opportunities that I was fortunately given later. You went to Catholic school. That's right. Great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when you finished high school there was an opportunity to go to college. Right. And did you go, I'm going to be a theater major? 
I always knew I wanted to move to New York, and I didn't even really know what that meant. Uh-huh. I just knew that that's so you never I, came. I came on a trip with them. Um, uh, so the Albuquerque, the, the Albuquerque Civic Light Opera Association would go every year, and they would bring basically senior citizens to New York City, and they would see like eight shows in five days. And I was like, I'm going to go on that trip with the senior citizens. And I was the youngest person on this trip they by loved at you. least 50 years. They Literally, it was me and Blue you. Hairs. Yes. And I stayed at the Hotel Edison, just down the street. And I saw all the shows with the Blue Hairs. And we went on the Circle Line bus tour. And uh, Do you remember I, what you saw? I saw my very first show I saw was Falsettos, which was not on our, which Kitty? was not on the docket. It was right. not on the docket. I said, I'm going to take a personal day. I didn't go on the Radio City Music Hall tour. I no. tabled that. And instead, I went to go see Falsettos, which was my main objective. I was like, I'm in town, and Falsettos is playing. That's what I'm going to go see. Uh, we saw Guys and Dolls with Nathan Lane and Faith Prince. We saw Phantom of the Opera, which I was very excited to see. And then I kind of saw it, and I was like, mm, I thought it would be bigger. Um, <laughs> Uh, the chandelier, I, yeah, chandelier, was, the chandelier was pretty cool. But um, it's so interesting because when I saw Falsettos, and that being my first Broadway show that I ever saw, I remember watching it just being so enamored with it and being like, oh my God, William Fenn, James Lapine. It, my dream, my dream would be to work with these two people. And cut to. Fast forward, James Lapine directed me and William Fenn's Spelling Bee. So, with Celia you know, Keenan-Bolger. With Celia Keenan-Bolger. Yes. Third time, third time's a charm. <laughs> Drink when you hear Celia Kin and Bulger. Um, so, have people here seen 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee? Okay. The amazing thing is that truly, YouTube, you talked about how we weren't, we did not grow up with right. the internet. But if you haven't seen it, you can obviously download the cast recording because it's extraordinary. But you can also see some of the most brilliant video clips of Jesse Tyler Ferguson, not just in the play, but behind the scenes with Leaf. What was your. Co- oh, right. We did co- these yeah. like little mockumentaries. Yeah. Hilarious. Our, Hilarious. Uh, Sarah Salzberg, who was one of the orig- original um, company members of Spelling Bee and was one of like. She kind of helped co-conceive it and really got the thing produced. Right. Um, Sarah Salzberg still to this day can't sit still for very long. Mm. She always has to be busy doing something. So even though we were doing a Broadway musical and we were very busy, eight shows she a was, week. Eight shows a week. She's like, let's do something else. So she was. We were making these little mockumentaries of you know uh, these kids at home, and so I did a few uh, videos of Leaf Coney Bear at home being homeschooled and you know it's playing amazing. playing uh, tag by himself in the woods. Not sad at all. <laughs> Not sad. Not sad at, at all. all. What was your Broadway debut? My Broadway debut was in On the Town, uh, which was started at the Delacorte Theater in Central Park. It was. They sort of celebrated the end of the Shakespeare. They basically did every Shakespeare play without repeating any Shakespeare plays for I don't know how many years. After, however many years so it took. many plays. So many plays. I mean, it started when I think George Wolfe took over as artistic director. He's like, we're just going to plow through all the plays. And they finished with like Henry V. And they're like, to celebrate finishing the Shakespeare canon, we're going to do a Broadway musical. And we're going to do something that's a love letter to New York City. And what's more of a love letter to New York City than On the Town? And so I was cast in this production of On the Town when I was 21 years old. It was the first job I got out of. Did you have to audition for it? I did. Do you remember, did you have to sing? I remember everything about it. Tell us, do it. Walk us through it. (laughs) I went in for a general audition with Heidi. 
Heidi and Jordan, the casting directors of the public theater, and I was non-equity, and I had um, an agent who was barely my agent. He told me he was only my agent because he was needed he someone. Was he hip-pocketing you? He sort of was, and he said that he only had me in his catalog because he needed someone with red hair. So that's good for your confidence. That must have felt so good. Yeah. Um, but I got seen for this, and they I sang... Never Will I Marry from Green Willow, which is... Do you remember, like, the very first line, how that goes? Never, never, never will I marry. It's a terrible song for an audition. It's a great song, but, like, no one wants to hear that. Never, never, never will I wed. No. Cut him off. They're like, but Jesse, for some we're reason, stop you. I also sing Try Me from She Loves Me, which was a little bit more um, successful. Yes. Anyway, there was something there, and they called me back, and I got to meet George Wolf and Betty Comden and Adolph Green. Um, and at this oh, point. Oh, you are playing to the right room. Did you mm-hmm. hear that? <sighs> and then this half is like, what? <laughs> what? They are the book writers of On the Town and Singing in the Rain and just Bandwagon. Uh, and. They were at this point very old, yeah. um, and I. That's Adolf, what they're saying about us. <laughs> that's what they're saying about they're us like right now. <laughs> they're very old, <laughs> and Adolph Green couldn't hear very well. Mm. And you know when you, I guess when you can't hear so well, you speak louder because you can't hear how loud you are. It's so true. It's so true. And so when I finished my reading my scenes with the casting director, he t- leans over to Betty and thinks he's whispering, but he goes, "He's very good." So I was like, at this point, I'm done. Like, I'll take uh, it. Adolph Green said I was very good. I'm, I'm good to go. Uh, but I was offered the job, which was very exciting. Who else was in that cast? Uh, Jose Lana was uh, Gaby. Uh, Robert Montana. Mary Testa uh, was uh, Madame Tilly. Um, it was a lot of new people. Uh, uh, Annie Golden, who, you know, uh, she's on Orange is the New Black now, but she, yeah. I knew her from, uh, she was the original Squeaky From and Assassins. She played Hildy's roommate. And then, of course, Leah Delaria was Hildy, and I, to this day, am very close with her still. Um, you are close. I want to say, I put on Twitter, like, questions for Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and the number one was, like, tell us about Chrissy Teigen's baby shower. Oh my gosh. I mean, I know I know that you are known for other things, but I do feel like in my deep dive and research into you, like other than being at Megan and Harry's wedding yesterday, which you were, and now I, you're here, yeah. which is incredible. Exactly. It's like Jesse and Michelle Obama and Jesse and Chris. Like, you know a lot of people that a lot of people think they know, but they don't really. They just know them from the internet, but you really know them. I, I mean, I don't say, like me and Michelle Obama don't go way back. I've met her like at a photo op a few times. Okay, how many people here have met Michelle Obama? <laughs> uh, okay. We got a few, we got so, a few. So, oh actually, I, I've met. Um, <laughs> do you want to hear my, no. But I'm just saying like, you're very well liked. Well, that's very That's what I want to say. You're very well liked. Well, but all these, I mean, Michelle, I mean, Michelle Obama's a very cool Good person, obviously. Yeah, but, but I mean, like, someone like Chrissy Teigen is also just happens to be someone I really like as well. She's a very nice person. That's why I'm was that her baby shower? Her. Right. I was at her baby, yes. I and then she had her. the baby. And then she just had her baby, yes. Incredible. Yes. yes. But people, I delivered it, by the way. That's amazing. <laughs> you are in an off-Broadway play and delivering Chrissy Teigen's yeah, baby. You gotta do what you gotta do. In one day. Right? <laughs> that's impressive. So, on the town, you're off. You're making your Broadway debut. Yes, yeah, so that the, the show with the, the Delacorte ended up transferring to Broadway, and that's how I made my debut. I mean, I also was sort of, I got a 
Taste of Medicine on my first outing in theater because the show did not do well on Broadway. And we ran, I think, three months and closed early. And it played at the Gershwin Theater, which is where Wicked is now. And it's a barn what? of a theater. Wicked? It's this little show called Wicked. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Don't know it. <laughs> and, but nothing is more depressing than doing a show. And the people who are doing Wicked never know what this feels like. But no. doing a show at the Gershwin when it's like, 200 people in the audience because it's like, like they all kind of like move to the front and then there's just like vast emptiness behind them I'm and so just like sorry. oh it was so depressing so to see sorry. that show crumble and right before they're like this is what you hear if anyone wants to come yeah. sit in the front <laughs> yeah basically <you're> t- <laughs> basically totally welcome <sighs> I'm so sorry guess yeah. what's not happening to you anymore that well you know I mean it could still happen this it could is still a be full a house there are 25 people here if anyone wants and if anyone from the bar wants to move forward we can <laughs> or even sit, yeah, sit right behind us. us and make shadow puppets behind our head so I had the great privilege of seeing 25th annual Putnam County spelling bee and the let me say the title again isn't it the 25th I think it might be. I don't know. Just add another word. Celia Keenan Bolger, is there a the at the beginning? There, there is, is a the. Yeah, yeah. At the 24th, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Was that as fun to do as it was to watch? Because it was a tremendous honor and crazy Aww, fun to be in the audience sweet. of that show. It was, it was a dream job. I mean, uh, not only was the cast such a wonderful group of people and I'm friends with every single one of them to this day. And this They're is, all here. This is, you know, 11 years later and we're all still very, very close. But, um, you know, it's very rare to get to create a character from the ground up and, like, actually create dialogue for the character. And uh, it was just a very collaborative process. And I was also, like I said, working with icons of mine. Yeah. I mean, the people that were my dreams to work yeah. with. Um, you know, to have William Finn sit down at a piano and play a song that he's written for you is just very emotional for me. Um, And, you know, then to have an audience that responded so generously to it, and we truly felt like it was hilarious. I mean, we just did a reunion concert of it, I don't know, two years ago, and um, we all just were laughing so hard. Like, I forgot how funny this show is, and it's just something that I feel like really lives up. I think it's it will withstand the test of time. I've had the great honor of going to see it performed at different high schools, and every single time I get incredibly moved by it just because yeah. it's nice. I mean, I, I enjoy being a part of that legacy, but also seeing kids, you know, take something that you created and make it their own is just... It's why I do theater, you know, right. to, to live on and to, to have a uh, an imprint in someone's life. I think it's just one of the main reasons I do what I do. And I think so many people either go to the theater or love being a part of it themselves. And that show kind of perfectly captures this idea of when you feel weird in your life. And then there's a place where you don't feel weird. And actually being weird is is what gets you ahead. Like in that show, everyone was like a crazy cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs weirdo. Absolutely, right. And here was a place to celebrate that. And we all saw ourselves in the different characters. As extreme as they were, right. they actually reflect real human beings. Yeah. And that's the beauty of what you guys did in that show. They were so grounded in integrity and humanity so that no matter how far you went with your characters and how absurd they got and, and maybe larger as the production right. went on right, <laughs> longer, right, right. Um, that they were really rooted in, in a love for, 
for these people. Yeah. It was really beautiful. You got it. I got it. You got the point of the show. There Thank you. Go. Thank you. I hope I win something because I love winning. Um, <laughs> you, you have something that very few people get to do, which is what we were talking about before, was to move into um, the world of television in a show that really has touched people in so many ways and has reflected so many different kinds of lives for so long now. When you talk about Spelling Bee and you being able to have input into how the character evolved, you are now living Mitchell. Pritchard? Pritchett, yeah. Pritchett, yeah. sorry. I feel like it should have been Pritchard, and I'm just I curious. I agree. Is I'm it too talk late? To the, I'm going to talk to the writers. It's I think a, we could fit that in. Yeah, I mean, for the next ten seasons, yeah. if you're like, oh my god, <laughs> it was like some funny bit, like they find like documents on Ancestry.com, absolutely, and it was Pritchard. That's a great idea. I'm just and saying I think that's that could a whole episode. Through all of season ten, actually, it could be <laughs> the over the, the arc of season ten. They jumped the shark when it became about the last name, and I take full responsibility <laughs> for that. So, can you talk to us about your audition for Modern Family? Yeah, um, I first of all, I was already in LA because I had done a show before that that ran a season that I was very proud of, but it didn't it didn't last. It was called so the you Class. You had the heartbreak of that. I had the heartbreak of that, um, which you I'm glad I did. The, but that you were a straight character. I was. I, I played. I played straight. Believe it or not, and yeah. I did it very well. Yeah. I, that's no. not funny. That's not just because funny. it only lasted one season. <laughs> yeah, has the, I wasn't the reason it got no. canceled. No. Uh, or maybe I was. I don't no, know. No, absolutely but, not. Uh, I was living in LA, and then the writer strike happened, and I was sort of tried to see that through, and I was like, I'm going to stay in LA. I'm just going to. I'm already here, and then I was really about to move back to to New York. To I was workshopping the role of Buddy the Elf and the musical version of Elf, and that was what I was going to do next. And then the script for Modern Family came, and my agent knew I wanted to move back to. Is he your New real York. agent at this point? He is. Yeah, okay. he still is. Yeah. Um, and he said, I know you're. You want to move back to. Um, to New York, but I think there's something with the script. I think you should read it. And I read it, and I immediately fell in love with it. Uh, but they wanted me to read for the role of Cameron. And I thought, mm, I just don't see myself in that Imagine role. Imagine a world. Yeah, exactly. Where Jesse Tyler <laughs> it could have happened. Is Cam. Just I mean, picture it. Okay. It would have been fine. Yeah, totally. <laughs> It probably would have been canceled. But um, I said, I really feel like I'm more of a, a Mitchell, and I would love to read for Mitchell. And so they're like, no, nope, they want to see for camp. So I was like, all right, whatever. And there was a, a th the thinking in my head was like, if I am part of the core family, I won't be fired. Yeah, like, smart. if I was like part yeah. of the core yeah, family, not the if boyfriend. you're like married in, no. you can get divorced, yeah. you can, I don't know, they could kill you off. I just feel like, there's job security Smart. and being part of the core family. Yes. That was actually where it mostly came from. Yes, be a Pritchard. Be a, <laughs> yes, be a Pritchard. Be a Pritchard. And You'll so totally. I read for Cam, but I read for Cam as, as if I was playing Mitchell, like my idea of what Mitchell was going to be. And I got through half of the Cam scenes, and they said, you know what, stop. You should actually be reading for Mitchell. And I was like, that's what I told you, but no one wants to listen. Yeah. And so they said, well, do you want to go on the hallway for a little while and just look at the sides? I said, no, I would like to come back on another day when I'm prepared. Oh, so I sassy. took it. I wanted them to, you know, I wanted them yeah. to want me. Yeah. And so I, uh, I came back the next day and I read for Mitchell. And, the next day. Yeah. Yeah, the next day. But not I am too not long. I'm not coming back until tomorrow. Until tomorrow. At 7 a.m. Yeah. I'll be right there. 
I never left the audition room. I just sat in the corner the entire time. No, um, but the, I read. Yeah, I read for Mitchell, and um, I was actually the first person cast. Um, Wait, the first lovely. person asked to, to. Did you have to test screen tests? I did for screen this? tests, and I, I tested. Ty Burrell was also in the group of people testing with he me for, so for Phil. He is so not funny. He's so not funny. It's so sad. It's shocking that he I got this part. I can't believe he's no. still on the show. <laughs> Terrible. We've tried to replace him, but I'm the fans so have spoken. I guess no, he's so. so he's genius. But Ty actually had to test like three or four times. He had really hard. They, they really wanted to hire an established star in that part. And um, I was the first person that they cast. So they really kind of wanted to star cast. Interesting. Yeah. Did, did you know of other people? Sometimes I'll be auditioning and then a friend will be like, oh, I was just offered this part. And you're like, oh, because I'm going in to yeah. read for it. <laughs> I, do <know> that, <laughs> I do know that Tony Confused. Hale, Tony Hale was like the ideal Mitchell for them. That's like when they had like a dream board of like who would they cast. It was Tony Hale for Mitchell. Um, so I knew that that was someone that was like in the zeitgeist of. So having having had the experience of auditioning in the way that you have not being on the show. Um, so I can speak to the first part, the audition part. When you sign a contract that shows you how much money potentially you may make for a very long time, suddenly the idea of, oh, it's just another audition, and I'm going to pretend it's just another audition goes out the window because it's actually a house, right? Right. They At do the this, end of the rainbow. So This is something they only do in television. You can't test for the network without signing the contract first. So you are given a contract that says, like, this is how much money you'd be making. And you sign this contract, and then you put it aside and pick up your audition sides again, <laughs> and then go into It's the most asinine, crazy barbaric thing that they could do yeah. to an actor be like here it is yeah. hope you do a good job Maybe. it's insane and yes. everyone is signing the contracts together. together yes it's totally bizarre but somehow you went in and did your work anyway yes yes which is incredible i mean i think part of it it helped because i had been on a television show before and i knew that this was part of the process right and also there was this thinking i was like if i don't get this i'm gonna go play buddy the elf which is the dream which, <laughs> Which is the dream. <laughs> I, no, I do feel like I, I was sad to let that go, but you know. Who ended up doing Buddy the Elf because you couldn't? Do you remember? Does anyone remember who was the original? Sebastian, what's his last name? Yes. He's very, very talented. So you know what? Marriage you is gave Stephanie him a Block. He's very talented. Yeah. Also doing TV now. Yeah, so you gave him a present. <laughs> which is really which nice Which I remind him about every time I see him. No. Sebastian, uh, yeah. I gave he you was Buddy very, the Elf. Very good. So... You do the pilot, and you don't know anyone yet. No, no, none of us. I, I had met Eric. So I was cast first, and so they had me screen testing and chemistry reading with possible Camerons. Who were some of the other Camerons? Um, well, one of them is actually the guy who plays Longinus on our show. Um, he got cast as Longinus. He's one of our reoccurring friends. Uh, couldn't be farther from Eric. He's a tall, black, skinny, tall, black guy. And Eric's, you know, not. Um, uh, But I did read with several different um, Camerons, and it was sort of, it felt like speed dating. Yeah, it is. It was like this weird, weird thing where I was like, ah, you know, that was... It's also very bizarre being in an audition room with someone when you're not auditioning, but you need to be there for someone. I, I don't like, I didn't like being in there. I didn't like seeing other people's 
process. I, I feel like it's such a private thing to audition in. I just right. did not like being in the room with But people. how lucky they were to have you in the room, another actor I guess, but also like maybe you. totally nerve-wracking. I mean, you know, here's someone that was been cast in the part, and then You're I You're like, I've thinking, already been cast. But then also, I was thinking, like, as I'm reading this over and over and over, I'm like, oh, God, I'm getting stale, and they're going to... They're going to fire start, me. Like, second-guessing, yeah. choosing me. It's just... It was a very strange process. But when Eric was cast... Um, I was extremely excited for him, and I I, I loved him, and uh, I, I I loved reading with him, and I thought he was he brought a different spin to the character that no one else had, and I said you know I asked the casting director if I could have Eric's number, and I called him and I congratulated him. I was like, do you want to go out and have coffee with me? And so we sort of had like this first date, and like halfway through the coffee date, I realized it was Valentine's Day. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's so sweet. So I was like, well, this is fortuitous. That's so sweet. Yeah. So you became friends right away. Yeah. I mean, we, we knew lovers. we had to... Lovers. It was Valentine's really. Day. Yeah. Yeah. I open mouth kissed him on the first date. That's awesome. I didn't. That's awesome. My daughter's <laughs> in this room and you take that back. Thank <laughs> Sorry, you. Sorry, I did not do that thing I just Thank said. Thank you very much. Well, you are gay. Correct. Eric... Is not. He's not, no. I think that that is really interesting. It is. And I want to know, do you think they knew you were gay when they cast you? And do you think they knew one way or the other about Eric when they cast him? Or did they not care? I don't know the question, the, the answer to the first question. I don't know if they knew I was gay. I assume they did. I don't know. It was one of those things where I kind of just assumed people in the industry knew. And then there was like this, like, are you going to come out? And I'm like, but everyone already knows. And then I ended up talking about it on some talk show, and they're like, oh, you came out on so, The View or whatever. I was like, right. did I, though? I guess I did. Um, but So that was not something you thought about beforehand. Like, I'm right. going on this show that a lot of people watch, and I'm going to talk about it really right. openly. I, I didn't think about it. I just, I knew I was going to be very vocal about it. I knew it was going to, it was going to, like, awaken the activist in me, because I knew it was going to be a platform for other things, and I wanted to use it as that. Um, but I do think they knew that Eric was straight. Um, you know, and I, there was a part of me that was like kind of bummed out that they didn't cast uh, a gay actor in that role. Um, right. But there is a thing too, and I was, I was actually just thinking about this when I was watching Angels in America, like with Andrew Garfield. Like, you know, that's such a great opportunity for a gay actor, but um, at the same time, he gave such a beautiful performance. Yeah. And then also, it's a double standard because I would love to play straight roles still. And so like, you know, right. I'm sorry. I, it's, that's it's, it's not weird gonna, thing. That can't <laughs> that's not going to happen anymore. <laughs> but I, it is that weird, tricky thing. Yeah. It's like, I do sometimes feel that these roles should be given to gay actors. And like, I love seeing the, the boys in the band on Broadway right now. And it's every single one of them is an out gay actor. And right. I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, but then I, I think, well, I don't want to just play gay actors. So right. it's, it's an interesting conversation to have. I yes. don't know the answer to it. Well, I do. <laughs> um, something that this ties really beautifully into and anyone who follows me on social media which is you 20 people <laughs> more than that 22 people um, actually no it's been a thrilling thing to, to be able the way you were able to use Modern Family as a platform I feel really proud that I can use this podcast and social media to promote causes and organizations that I think are doing amazing work and something I found out about Jesse is that he started uh, a company called Tie the Knot and basically he took his love of bow ties which I want to ask when that started your love of bow ties 
But you're not wearing your signature bow tie no, today. No, people get very disappointed when I'm not in a bow tie. Um, I, I, it sort of just came from having to go to these fancy events and having to, you know, wear tuxedos. And I was like, yeah, I always wanted to spruce it up. And I found myself drawn to, you know, something flashier around the neck. I was right. like, and so I, Justin, my husband, and I were talking about creating a bow tie line and it was really going to be for profit. I was like, let's just do it and make some money. And, but we also had this idea to create a foundation and, and, and give back. And we decided to combine this idea. And so we designed a, a line of bow ties with this great company called the tie bar, which was an, at that time, just an online um, venture. And uh, they, they designed these bow ties with us. And then the proceeds from the bow ties went to tie the knot, which was our, uh, foundation, and then we farm that money out to uh, all these different organizations that were sort of in the trenches fighting for marriage equality. Because at that right. time, we had like six states that right. were that marriage equality was legal in, and we really wanted to, um, you know, get raise awareness, uh, raise awareness, and, raise and also and- like get marriage equality across the United States. And it was just a you fun did it. time, and we we did, yeah, <laughs> single handedly, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was, you know, it's sort of this fun tie in weddings and marriage equality and bow ties, and it just made sense. Yes, um, not bow talks. Bow ties. Bow ties. Yes. yes. Uh, I'm doing bow ties. Dot org. <laughs> Every shot I get, yeah, yeah, is in the name of some great cause. It's amazing. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so now marriage equality exists right. in 50 states, in the 50 United States. Yes. Um, but the organization remains. Right, and we did think, you know, our dream was that we'd be put out of business, yeah. and that this would just be something that we have. Um, but then. Things changed in the past few years, and we're like, oof, you know, these rights that we work so hard for are now in danger of being taken away. And there was still, you know, right after marriage equality passed, there were so many states where you could be married on a Friday and then on Monday go into work, and because you were married, you could be fired from your job. Right. And right. so the work wasn't done. And there was a lot of like pushback from some people and you're like oh we'll just be happy for what you've won and I was like well yes we can celebrate this great thing and we, we are celebrating but there's still we have to protect these rights so it's like there's still so much work to do so yes yeah, celebrate pat yourself on the back but not for too long because we have to stay aware and we have to stay activated exactly um, and that's why we're still raising money for um tie the knot and a lot of it goes toward education and outreach um and uh, you know there's there's just so much work to still do. So. And first of all, the most of the proceeds from tonight, uh, my my proceeds are going to go to tie the knot. Thank you and, so much and for And the that. work that they do. So thanks to you, uh, it gives me such great pleasure Thank to you. support these beautiful organizations. I want to ask: when you first started out, or maybe even more recently, are there any really embarrassing? stories that you can share with us because it will make us feel better uh, from your performance career or an audition story or something that comes to mind where you thought, I'm going to crawl out the window and go home and never come back. I mean, there's, well, there's so many. I don't know what to tell first. I mean, <laughs> Celia's <laughs> laughing because there's many things that happen on the stage at Spelling Bee, but I don't know if they're proper for this podcast. <laughs> um, they are, you think so? Um, <laughs> so there was this, the Palm is right across the street from the Circle in the Square Theater, the Palm Restaurant, and they were always very good to us, sending us treats to the theater. They'd send us these huge carrot cakes that no one in their right mind could finish. Uh, but w- one summer, 
they were kicking off their like lobster dinner special. And so they decided to have a party for us in between shows on a two show day to have lobster dinner at the Palm. So we all went to the Palm at like five between shows and had these massive lobster dinners and then went back to the theater to do the evening show. And all of us were like, oof, (laughs) mm, boy, oh boy. I mean, you don't have a lobster dinner on a two show day in between your shows. And so all of us were just kind of like, oh. And (laughs) there's a part of the show where I was left on stage. And also just know that at the Circle in the Square Theater, which is where Once in This Island is playing right now, the audience is really right on top of you. So there was a part of the show where Sarah Salzberg and I were sitting on these bleachers, and the audience was as close as as me, as you are to to me right now. Uh, And I was just having some... I was having some gas issues. You were uncomfortable. I was. And so Celia and Dan were on the other side of stage having a very intimate scene. And I was like whispering to Sarah. I was like, I'm not feeling very good from this lobster dinner. And Sarah was always, she's very method. She was always in character. And her character had a lisp. And she was like... What's wrong, Connie Bear? Where are you? Like, just like under her breath, what's wrong, Connie Bear? What's going on? I was like, I just feel like I'm going to have like gas issues. Like, well, you've got to fart then. If my, 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 my dad said it's very, it's very unhealthy if you just keep a farting. You've got to fart. So I started getting the giggles because she was just like, and she's a pillar on stage. She does not laugh. How do those just people do it? Just me on. Yeah. And I started laughing so hard, I farted. <laughs> And so <laughs> I started giggling. And, Sarah started and it wasn't giggling. a secret fart. And it was wasn't. It? it was loud enough. <laughs> and as I said, the audience is very close to us. I heard the audience member that was closest to me go, ew. <laughs> <laughs> Which then made Sarah start laughing. So then Sarah goes, I'm peeing my pants. And sure enough, she starts urinating her pants. So I've basically had a a lobster fart, which was not a dry fart, by the no, way. No. And Sarah starts peeing. We're just, and we're on a Broadway stage, and Celia and Dan finish their scene and kind of walking over to us like, what's going on over here? And Dan, who is a master improviser and also a pillar of strength on stage, smells this terrible odor and goes, all right, who beefed? And which just made me laugh even harder. So that was, I mean... So many things. I felt so terrible for our dressers. You know, they had to like come into the dressing room with like tongs at the end of the. Sh- oh, that was. That was silly. Really made good me tell one. that. Good for you, Jesse Tyler Ferguson. I want th- this. This hour is speeding by because you are so unbelievably funny. But I would be remiss if I didn't let our audience ask you a couple of questions. Are yeah. you okay with that? Yeah, sure. Okay. So uh, does anyone have a question for Jesse Tyler Ferguson about anything? What's the best advice I could give a young actor coming to the world today? Um, I think remaining truthful to yourself and not comparing your skills to other people's skills, which is something I would totally, that's a trap I totally fell into. Um, It's hard not to think that you should be doing more and you should be 
able to do more and you're like, I have a terrible, I, I'm not good at accents. And, and I was, I should be good at accents. I should be able to do, you know, a great British accent or a great French accent. And I'm just not very good at it. And there came to be a point where I like, let myself off the hook for that. I'm like, that's just something that I'm not that great at. And that's okay. And I need to focus on the things that I'm, I am good at and that I love doing and that are in my wheelhouse. And there'll be a time, and there was a time I, when I did Fully Committed that I had to figure out how to do accents and like a lot of accents and like it it was okay like I I was scared of it and I was challenged by it but it's something that I I knew just had to happen but I wasn't weighed down by it and I feel like there's just uh, I, I I I see that young actors feel this need to just do everything well and I think that's something that I was taught in acting school and I just I I'm always telling people to let go of that and just do the things that you do well well, I think that's incredible it's advice like, it's for like humans. Great, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, mean beyond, one of my, beyond actors. One of my favorite um, musicals is um, uh, Title of Show, and there's that great song, I'd rather be nine people's favorite thing than a hundred people's ninth favorite thing. And I think that's such a great motto to live by. So there's something I want to ask you about, and then I'll let someone else ask. But we are all obsessed with the carpool karaoke's because we can't believe we get to see these artists that we love kind of be so human and vulnerable in the Mm -hmm. car with James Corden. Right. But you did uh, one for the Tonys with Lin-Manuel Miranda and Audra McDonald and Jane Krakowski. Correct. And it was one of the best ones ever. (laughs) And it is rare. I mean, if you were a real housewife, I'd be like, how much is scripted and how much do you really, (laughs) like, is that your house in Beverly Hills? So... Can you give us a little bit of insight and behind the scenes of what it was to do that? Oh, because I'd love it's to. so amazing. And your dynamic with Jane Krakowski, which was a whole B story in the <laughs> A story of the thing. Um, I assume if you haven't seen it, you'll you'll go and you Google and YouTube it when you get home. Um, well, Tell I, us everything. I was a fan of the 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 concept that James had created, so I was beyond thrilled when he asked me to do this and he, I he I saw who else was doing this with me. Um, the first part of the carpool karaoke happened with just Lynn and, and James in the car, and then they pick up Audra and me and Jane. So while they were filming that, we knew what songs we would be singing. I hope I'm not like pulling the curtain back too much, but you are aware of what songs you're going to be singing. Um, and there was me and Audra and Jane were left in this like holding area. And we were just drilling Outside or inside Inside, or, inside okay. a building But we were drilling songs To One Day More And like On Broadway And I don't remember What else we sang um, uh, 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 Seasons of rent. Love Yeah And we, But it's like I did kind of come out of my body Just watching like Audra McDonald Who to me is just like I mean beyond Just watching her like Drill lyrics to Seasons of Love I was like I'm done here If this is all it's going to be <laughs> Um, we did have some cheat sheets taped on the back of the seats. And okay. We, that we you did, put there or that they put for you? They put there for us, but like, but don't refer to them a lot. But You're then like, like okay, that's all right we there. were looking at at first. <laughs> yeah. So we had to like do, do it one time, twice, just because we were all obviously just reading something on the back of a car seat. Um, <laughs> but it really truly was not that rehearsed. And... All that stuff with Jane and I, where we were, we were singing one day more from Les Rob and I was Marius, and she was Eponine, and Audra was Cosette, and so I was playing the dynamics of that relationship. That just sort of happened because I was improvising, and yeah. Jane's such a great actress and improviser. She was going along with me, and um, it really wasn't rehearsed, and that was. So where are the, the cameras? 
they're sort of stationed throughout the car. They're sort of in, they were everywhere. I feel like we were in like, you know, AI or something. They were just kind of everywhere. And uh, we weren't on, James was actually driving the car. So you're really we driving a, around. You're not we being We weren't on a trailer. Okay. No, we were just driving really slowly around um, Midtown, not drawing any attention to ourselves at all. Yeah. You know, driving super slow with a million cameras around and a you. Range Rover and Lin Manuel Miranda. With James Corden and, Min- and Lin Manuel Miranda, who yeah. like is the most recognizable person in all of America now. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was super exciting. It was amazing. And then they ended up showing a longer version of that at the Tony Awards. And um, I do remember when we were at the Tonys, I was in the room when, when it was being aired and I was sitting on the aisle and Oprah was presenting next and she came by and she said, that carpool thing was amazing. And she like gave me a hug and I just looked around to see if anyone else was seeing this moment. <laughs> and who was it? Oh God. Oh, it was B.B. Newworth of all people. She just goes, I clocked it. I clocked it. I've never, I don't know B.B. Newworth, but like she knew that I needed someone to acknowledge the fact that that thing just happened. And she was like, I saw it. I saw it. There's no people like show people. Really, truly. There's we no know what, people like that. We know. know what we need from yeah. one another. Yeah, so to B.B. Yeah, to, to B.B. Um, first of all, thank you for Tie the Knot. Org. I can't even believe that was available. I think about like the fact that the domain was even available. I know we got very lucky. I'm yes. just saying, like not for nothing. That alone is amazing. <laughs> um, if you do nothing else. If I do nothing else, I've gotten that. Yeah. No, if you do nothing else, actually, quite seriously, what you're doing by taking your platform, which I think is aside from the loss of anonymity and the joys of and perks of, of being on a show, I would imagine the greatest joy for all of us is to be in a position to be able to do something about what we care about. Well, and we all can. That's just yeah. that you don't have to have a platform like I do. Like, I, I, I'm very grateful that I do, and the, the outreach is, is farther than I would if I wasn't on the show. But that's the thing. I mean, that, I think that's what we really need to focus on now, and, and especially in times like this, is doing whatever you can with whatever you can possibly, with Absolutely. the time that you have. I mean, yeah. there's so much we can all do. Well, but you're doing it in your way. And I know I speak for all of us when I say thank you for bringing us so much joy watching you because we all need that outlet and release right now. And your work on Modern Family and all the things I've seen you on stage, it's, it's seamless. Where you end and where the character begins and seeing you in all of these different things, realizing often you have ended and the character has begun in a way that is quite a distance from who you really are brings the point home all the more that you are an extraordinary actor. Oh, you're so and sweet. It is a privilege to get to be with you today and be on the planet with you in general. Aww. And thank you all for being here today and spending your Sunday with us. It means the world to me and Jesse that you. you are here. And uh, come thank see Log you to the Cabin. W. Log Cabin at Playwrights Horizons. Yes. Am I right? Yes. All right. Thank you, W Hotel. Thank you to all of you. And uh, I guess we can put on some music and please stay and buy drinks and please tip the people here well. They, uh, they work really hard and we appreciate them. So thank you, people behind the bar, and thank you to all of you. Thank you. Good night, everybody. If you want more information about my guests, go to the website littleknownfactspodcast.com.
I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says Contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast. And on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. This episode was brought to you by Pro Media. Located in Times Square, Pro Media offers both production and post production services out of its beautiful studios in the heart of New York City. Pro Media Sound Vision. Find out more at promedia.nyc.